0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Sidekick Josh is in his home house star office and was my literal sidekick over the weekend um, at the Arsenal Bournemouth game. We sat together on club level. Gave Josh a bit of the elitist flavour of uh, atmosphere, of which what it's really like to watch a football match and support a team in club level. I th- I'm sure we'll get onto Josh's thoughts about that later. We've also got two two spectacularly uh, good guests, regulars, back as ever, season after season. Adam Bernstein is here. Hi, Adam.
1: Hi, Boyd. Hey, Dan.
4: Very well, thank you. And you?
1: Very good, thank you. Excellent.
4: And uh, we're joined by the legendary Nick True of Arsenal knows fame and George knows fame. And now surely Arteta knows Nick.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be Mikel knows. Mikel I've been thinking knows. about this. I, I'm, I'm actually got in my diary. Should I actually start to think about ordering and designing a banner? Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to.
3: You do. Are you gonna, gonna get that. the are you gonna try and <laughs> hang it from club level or give it to the Asperton army to put behind the goal? I haven't thought that through yet, but, um, yeah.
4: I'd like to see Nick with the Ashburton Army. I'd like to see Nick walking along to the games, all dressed in black, with a drummer at the head of the, of I'll, the march. I'll do, it. I'll do it if you will.
2: I'll, I'll come with you. <laughs> okay, maybe. Amy,
4: I don't you see, Amy Lawrence did a piece on it, on the Ashburton Army for the Athletic, where she literally did join them, and it was quite an interesting experience,
2: clearly. Fascinating. Uh, I think I saw you, Boyd, actually. Oh, really? In the, in the corridor, yeah. Yesterday. Oh, yeah.
4: On Saturday, oh, yeah, cool. Did you? Did you just kind of uh... you'd gone, but before oh. I had a
2: chance to go. Oh boy!
4: Do you know what? I got there quite early, and um, I went to have a chat with a friend who's in right around the corner in Cub Level. But then, yeah and then I came back. Anyway, this was
2: after this was after the game. Oh, you?
4: after the game. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, we yeah. had a quick we had a, we, we were so we were so um excited. We had to kind of we had to recover from the excitement. Josh and I, that we had a post-match drink, which is very very rare for me. In fact, that was the first alcohol I've consumed in about 3 or 4 months because I've got high blood pressure. But um yeah, what a day. What a day, Adam. Um I mean, my first question is of all, of I don't know if like me, like I've been spending much of the last twenty four hours. Apart from just watching uh, Man United get beaten seven 0 in a, another joyous moment of the weekend, I would spend the rest of the time pretty much watching footage of people celebrating the goal, the ninety seventh minute goal. And um, do you? I don't know if you have as well. But if you have, would you have a favourite celebration either on the on the day during the mat on the pitch, or the players, or the manager, or fans, or celebrity fans? Do you have a, sp- a favourite of all of the celebrations?
1: I think, I think what made it for me was just how long it went on for. As in, it yeah. wasn't just the goal, you know, then we had the final whistle, then it was probably, what, five, six minutes in the stadium. Then I came out and, like, the Tony Adams statue was just completely surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of people, all just going completely berserk. All, like, strangers just hugging each other as if it was something you'd never... You know, so i have really almost never seen before. Um, yeah. And going to Arsenal, even on days where we've won, you know, FA Cups or things like that, never seen anything um, quite like that. And I think, yeah, it was just sort of the... No, I couldn't think one out, but just the the general complete melee um, was just incredible. Yeah. Fair enough. Josh?
3: I've watched so much fan footage over the last 24 hours. It's uh, unique. But my favourite one of all is, oddly enough, um, Bournemouth fan footage. Uh, Because unlike everywhere else in the stadium where yeah. the cameras are shaking everyone like mad, it's incredibly still from the Bournemouth They're yeah. just sort of shock and disappointment. But yet yeah, there is sort of one Bournemouth fan who just pans beautifully mm. around the euphoric Emirates stadium as is and, know, jumping for joy. And that is well worth searching yeah. out on YouTube for those that haven't.
4: And if you look carefully, oh, I think I've seen that very same video because it starts with one guy, doesn't it looking fucking miserable? And then, gets back to him if the in, in the just above in club level there's a guy with his shirt off the guy's taking his shirt off in club level which i'm sure is against the rules and you just never see and there's another thing you've never seen in the history of football and the amateurs and anyone kind of going that far stripping off in club i know you nearly did um yesterday josh but
3: um i just about restrained you from going that far i mean we, we've done some incredible things haven't we because we we've I heard how when we did win away at aston villa having been behind at half time, that was our first away win out of london was it since 2009 yesterday was the, the first time i think we come from um from two 0 down since we beat spurs five two and that's i think going back to 2012 so it's just you know, some extraordinary um you know things that we've seen over you know the last couple of weeks um alone and everyone is immediately talking about where does this rank in all-time Emirates moments? You know, it, mm. it, it is up there, isn't it? With our Shavin and Barcelona, it, it, you know, it's an isolated night. You're not quite in a title race, but it was kind of euphoric because it was beating the then best team in Europe. Leicester, Welbeck's been mentioned, and, you know, you felt like you're back in a title race. This is like whilst we're on top having a moment like that. Yeah. In a game that, you know, drop points would have felt, Unthinkable, and that's what you said, Boyd. I don't know if you've reflected on it, but kind of the difference between winning this game like one 2 0 and winning it yeah. in the manner we did—you know what? What does that do for us?
4: Yeah, there's also the Arsenal Man Manu game. We shouldn't with um, yeah Eddie's Eddie's 90th minute goal. But Nick, before Nick, do you have a favourite celebration? Did you immerse yourself in the celebrations?
2: Yeah, I've been watching all of it, but it was just being there and mm. seeing seeing the whole bench run onto the pitch. It was, like, bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen that ever, actually, yeah. at, at a football game. That was a brilliant moment. I loved that. That really excited me. I think the bigger thing for me is it's just, it's like a feeling that, you know, you can't explain it to anyone else. I came home told told the missus about it, but you can't explain it. It's a feeling. And mm. I think I think that feeling to me is a George Graham feeling. It's a George knows feeling more than an Arsene feeling. There's a little bit of Arsene there, but it really feels like that first championship um, side when we beat you know when we beat Liverpool and we weren't a, a team of stars then same as now young players um, wingers um, it's just a most fantastic feeling you just feel that they're going to have a go whatever happens and um, it's super super exciting feeling yeah. right now isn't it
4: absolutely I have two favourite the reason I brought it out is I have two very special favourite moments one is um michael arteta's um with the little kid, the little boy <laughs> Does yeah. any, still i don't think anyone knows who that, who's that that little boy is it was a one one little man um pitch invasion <laughs> somehow managed to get to <laughs> michael arteta who kind of celebrated with him and there was like oh hold on a minute <laughs> who is this kid who's invaded the pitch that was amazing and my other favorite was right in front of us josh which i remember seeing at the time and then i kind of forgot about it because it didn't quite sink in then in the magnificent Clips of the main angle that everyone's taken like photos of of all the different players' reactions. Because Martinelli goes into the goal to get the ball, which was weird, by the way. Uh, but my favorite was Odegaard, who took the corner and, and went, and then when the goal went in, he literally collapsed to the ground, flailing, and with his hand literally like he could not, he could not move. And he just kind of like completely collapsed. And just was like lying there for quite a long time and I think crying as well I think crying tears of joy there was a little there was a bit of welling up in our bit as well I know me Josh and uh and our friend that we were with we, we were definitely welling up weren't we Josh
3: yeah um yeah we embraced heartily I would say Boyd you yeah. um Lewis and I I also noticed Ben White's um goading you could perhaps yes. say of yes. Neto in in the bournemouth goal who had obviously been time wasting and eventually got his booking um so yeah there were there were so many aspects of it and you know i feel like if i go and watch any you know more videos you'll you'll, you'll spot something that you you didn't at yeah. the time but what nick said is so true that kind of jumping of a bench—it felt almost like what you might see at a World Cup or something, with a you know a golden gold or a penalty shootout win or something where it's over, we're done. You could all run on now. It was just so unusual to see that in a in a in a league game um, of this side. But yeah, I did see a poll put out by um, Chris Godfrey, who we, we've had on uh, yeah. the journalist in, in the, the Guardian's in the Chris Godfrey, the guys, Chris Godfrey. and he he put out a poll going, does yesterday's game make you more or less confident mm. about Premier League title victory because there is an argument here that going 2-0 down and 2-0 down with Ramsdale making some outstanding, you know, one incredible stop in the first half and then even a, a very good stop, I think, when it was only 2-1 in the in the second. There is an argument here to go, well, actually, yes, they did show some, some real issues and frailties. Um, and I was also confused by Arteta's comments after the game that he insinuated he knew that Bournemouth might do what they do from kickoff and yet we totally didn't look ready for it, which was also <laughs> <Yes>. a concern. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't
4: it, Adam? How how do you where do you land on that um that question of should we be, you know, I mean, it, even you know, one of the most delirious moments as an Arsenal fan, but which Do we have to recognise the fact that we let in two goals against the team at the bottom of the league and it could have gone even more disastrously wrong if, as Josh mentions, um Ramsdale doesn't make those saves?
1: So, so I was thinking about this and I, I think one of the things that's quite tricky is that we've let in a lot of very cheap goals recently. So not just in this game, but looking back to um, the second Villa goal when Coutinho scored. Um, and looking at a couple of other goals recently I, mean, I think even Kevin De Bruyne's goal in the City game um, to me was um, uh, to, to me was like a good example of that um, it's quite hard to judge in that sense that we're not necessarily coming under lots of pressure we're just conceding these cheap goals And in a game like football when there's obviously like an incredibly obvious observation you don't get that many goals suddenly letting in a cheap goal like that puts you under a lot of pressure you have to come from behind it's a lot trickier so I think there definitely were like specific issues with the performance yesterday I certainly played very well you know, if we're being honest, but I also think there's something here that we do just keep on letting in some quite cheap goals from situations where we're not really under any pressure, and that's just putting ourselves in a position where it's just much harder to win games.
4: Yeah, do you think Nick they're just a bit complacent in, in you know in that in that first half? It, you know, they're playing Bournemouth with the worst.
2: No, no, I don't think so. No, I think it's all tiny margins. You know, it's all you know. about tiny moments. I mean, that first goal—it just went under. Gabriel's boot by like a centimetre, you know, normally you'd boot that away, which is a bit, you know, it's it's, it's percentages. So you keep going, keep going, and you know, you're going to score, which we did, we scored three. Um, and as you said, my gosh, that, that save from Ramsdale, that was, you know, maybe we'll look back at the end of the season and say, God, that was, that was maybe a big, big moment. But there's a long way to go, isn't it? It's 12 games. So all you can do is just keep going. Um, what, what do you think about Thursday? Cause that's going to be interesting who they put out.
4: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We'll talk about, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that team. Se- mm. I mean, talking of team selection, what did we make of the fact that this was, this was the first time we really tinkered with the team to any, I mean, I know it was only like effectively three players he changed, but still that is for, for Arteta because we played the same team, didn't we? I think like four, maybe five times
3: in a row recently, Josh, what did you make of the actual tinkering that he did? Well, I mean the, the, tinkering is is one element and then the ruthlessness that he showed within the game is is another I think Tommy Yasu he's wanted to back because the error he made against Man City was you know was of course you know a a glaring mistake that cost us dearly in that fixture and I think the temptation was almost like well you know if you put him out the side for a few weeks here you kind of you know, you, you almost kill the guy and kill the guy's confidence. So the fact he's tried to integrate him and put him back in the starting lineup. But he, he had to be ruthless. It hadn't worked for the first half. It was a uh, a change we've seen a lot in recent fixtures that one of them has started game and the game Tomiyasu or White, and the other one has come on for them. And it needed changing at half time, and you know, not not just because White got his first goal for Arsenal, but he offered more going, going forward, certainly, than Tomiyasu had in the first half. And then with Smith Rowe coming on, okay, a lot earlier in the game than he would have anticipated. Again, he had to be absolutely ruthless and, and bring on Reese Nelson, who, of course, we you know will come on, come on to in a minute. Um, the the startling statistic that came out about how that was the first game since 1986 that there was no player who had played under Arsene Wenger starting a game is is just extraordinary. Obviously, with Granit Xhaka not mating the lineup, but again, you know he. He probably needs a, a little bit of a break. Pretty much everyone else in the team, apart from Pakaio Saka and the two centre-backs of the goalkeeper, has had a break at some point so you could understand the decision. So, no, I, I was I pretty much backed the, backed the decisions, but I also backed him being so ruthless during the game.
4: Mm. Adam, what did you make of his, like, a particularly a resting shaka? I was, like, stunned, I have to say. I absolutely could not believe he was resting shaka of all the players.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was surprising, and I think it was clear that we were easier to play through without Xhaka and much less yeah. defensively. And um, we will come on to Reese Nelson in a minute. But I said to some friends before the game, this is a big game for Fabio Vieira. Ostensibly, you're playing the worst team in the league at home. If on a good, you know, We're on a good run of form if ever there was a good opportunity for him to come in and play very well. This is it. I think it was striking that he was, I thought he was all right, actually. But you saw Nelson come in make a lot of decisive contributions, really stand out in terms of his performance. Um, so some of those changes were difficult. I mean, I think the other thing with Tomiyasu for me is I think he's clearly now been spotted by, by opposition scouts. And this goes back a while, not just the City game as someone who's not very good with the press or someone I think is comparatively less good with the press compared to other Arsenal players. So yeah. he's coming under a lot of pressure every time he's in the team. I thought even Bournemouth were pressing him quite a lot. I wasn't convinced at times of how well he dealt with it. And I think like that's something they're gonna clearly have to work on on the training ground to, to deal with um in terms of him playing regularly and that not being an issue.
4: Yeah, it sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it, Nick? But I, I do agree. I think mm. I think Tomiyasu and Um Vieira didn't exactly take their chances, did they? And I think
2: you yeah, know, I mean, I I, I hear yeah. you, but I thought they played well actually. And I, I thought the first half, I thought Arsenal fantastic. Yeah, they could have been two or even three nil down, but the football we played was Fantastic! The whole game, first half, I, I thought we were good. We didn't deserve to be losing that game, and what thirty shots in the whole game? So again, it's small errors; it's, it's it's small moments that are going to change games, um, and you can't win them all, right? So, fortunately, we you know we didn't lose that one, as, as um, Adam was saying. Tommy Asu gave that gave that goal away to De Bruyne, but it was a brilliant finish, wasn't it? So, you know, yeah. it, it might not have it might not have might, might not have gone their way, so I I I like them trying players. I like I like the change. Actually, yesterday I thought it was the right thing to do. You can't play the same players every single game. We've got twelve cup finals to go. We've got this Europa League. So as you said, we'll talk about that later. But I think they've got to do that. You've got, you've got to change it about. I thought it was good. I thought the football was good. So I, I'm I'm I wasn't negative about it. I like mm. I like the changes. I liked it when Shaka came on. I thought it was. A good moment um smithrow did look rusty didn't he but yeah we know he's a great player we've seen tommy be brilliant you know brilliant last season so we know he's a good player um they've got to play into form haven't they and the only way you're going to do that is to give them give them minutes
4: yeah Adam, don't you so. think do you think we have we should persevere and give them more minutes you know start them more often those 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 players
1: I think I think it's very hard because I agree with what Nick said before about how like, you know, it's a game of small percentages. And I think part of why we're seeing more individual errors creeping in is the players are getting more fatigued through the season, something which has probably been exacerbated by some of them with having been to a World Cup in the middle of the season. But I also think it's quite hard because clearly we have quite a substantial drop-off I think even between people like Ben White and Tommy Asu but especially from people like Xhaka Tobiara, and that sort of thing so it's like clearly a very very difficult balance because we all sit here and say the manager needs to rotate we need to play 38 games it's very hard and at the same time when he brings his people in I'm a bit like "Mm, don't really fancy them Mm. they're not like it um so I think it's very, very tricky. And, you know, if you look for a league game where he wants to do this, you'd say Bournemouth at home, here's one rush that you kind of should be doing this. I think the other thing that, that was interesting, and Nick alluded to this before, is what's he going to do now with the Europa League? Because I thought him resting Xhaka at the weekend rather than on Thursday was quite a strong sign that he was still going to prioritise the Europa League, which I which I thought was a little bit surprising, but also in keeping with mm. what um, Arteta's done in general.
4: Yeah, that's a really good point because, I mean, we... we 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 can refer to the Europa League before we go into it later, but yeah, I mean, I, I I felt like that to me as well, and I am. I I think for me, the fact that we're definitely going to finish top four. I mean, who knows what will happen? You know, whether you know it's going to be it's going to be go to the wire with us and Man City. I think, which is in itself is brilliantly exciting. But I can't see us not finishing the top four now. So which is what you get from winning winning the Europa League as well as winning that trophy. It's a trophy, but I still feel like. That is the perfect opportunity, the Europa League games, for me to play those players, to play the second string and keep the first string fit and healthy and less knackered. So i mean, I agree with you though. I think you probably will play Jaka and Saka in the in the, for example, in the Europa League. But I'm not sure why I feel about that, Josh. Do you have do you have strong feelings?
3: Well, my feelings are that we're in a title race and this is our best opportunity of winning the Premier League title in an extraordinarily long time. And there's not a huge amount to be gained from getting all the way to a a Europa League final, which, by the way, is not exactly like a a formality or that we sort of walk it. Um, you know, there's still you know some uh, decent opposition left. Where if we're not playing our sort of full team, we'll you know we are stri- I think we are. Josh. I think we're second favourites behind Man United. Yeah. I did I did have a look, but obviously ah, we yeah, are man. up there. But then there's you know you, you've still got Juventus, Union Berlin have had an amazing season in, in the Bundesliga. There's, Sevilla, there's Roma. You know there, there's there's decent opposition still. Left in it. Um, look, we're we're talking about a club that haven't won a European trophy since 1994. So there's a certain you know allure to uh, to persevering with it. Um, I I don't know. I I'm, I'm looking at what I think this this team is uh, is going to be like, and I think the the defence is quite easy to chop around because we've got you know Tommy Asu, I think Kiwi or Holding and Tierney and Matt Turner who all who all need game time. I think Nelson. Jorginho, Smith Rowe you know kind of pick pick themselves but then you are going to have to give some minutes to you know other other players who you desperately want to protect because I don't think the depth is there and I don't see him throwing in you know complete youngsters so yeah it's a, it's a tough one he's got to get the uh, he's going to get the balance right and it's 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 not easy but if you're asking me would I be that upset if we're out of the Europa League in two weeks time three weeks time i hand on yeah. heart no
4: no, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And does yeah, anyone I yeah. mean Trossard Trossard of course went off, we should remember. So we you know we've yeah. got we're very I mean, talk about uh, up front, we're we're incredibly um short up front, aren't we? I can't Martinelli played there um after after he went off on Saturday, but I worry about that.
2: Any any news
4: on Trossard? I haven't seen any. of you, Adam, at all?
1: I, I think No, I've not seen anything, and I've not really seen anything conclusive when uh-huh. I get here either.
3: No. Yeah, he wasn't even on the bench, was he? Yeah, that was... Well, the, the Eddie noise was a bit more concerning because Arteta it, it, it effectively said, we don't quite know at the moment. So that that is a a bit of a concern. Um, and if you think about the fact that, obviously, there's no Jesus quite yet, won't be for the next league game, you're then talking about his two backups in Ketia, Trossard, you know, our fourth choice option there is seemingly Martinelli. So... Yeah, it's a tough little period. Uh,
2: actually, actually, I think I no, I think maybe it was a groin with Trussard, which could be, what, two, three weeks? No, really? Is. Wow. Is, I think that's what I heard. Yeah. yeah.
4: That is quite worrying. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Josh. I'm not that bothered about the Europa League. I feel like the Europa League is like the League Cup of of the European game, which, uh, you know, things for me. And, like, you get excited about winning the League Cup if you haven't won a trophy for 12 years or something, you know, like, man, you have. And when, when we won the League Cup that time, but... When, when you're in, he's got, I feel he's got to, I mean, I'm not criticizing him. We don't even, we don't know yet what team is going to pick but we're all conjecture. But Nick, do you care that much about the Europa and shouldn't he really, I agree with that. Yeah. Like for me, the drop-off, I know it's only, I, I know what you're saying when you said you, you were pleased with the way that those t- those those players played, Vieira, um, Tomiyasu. But I still think there is enough of a drop-off that when you're playing a really good team, you start worrying. It's just the way we play, isn't it? It's so intricate the way we play. Like, I was th- thinking about Tommy Yasu in particular. The way we get out of defense is so so many little part- triangular passes to advance the ball to midfield, etc. And I do feel Tommy Yasu. There were a couple of moments where Tommy Yasu just kind of lumped it away and it ended up being going to a Bournemouth player. And I think that's what happened, you know, in the Man City game as well. There are a couple of times where he just isn't quite as precise as the rest of the team are with those with those things. And Vieira mm. Feels too, very so lightweight to me, so slight. He, I feel he has trouble imposing himself on the game, and I just think because the way we play is so unique, and we we are unrelenting, aren't we? And you said, like in many ways, we carried on playing as soon as they scored that goal. We played the same way, the same intricate attacks. You know, m- minute after minute after minute for the whole game, and it was incredible. But I still think we looked better once Shaka came on, you know, once those other players came on. I guess my question, mm. with this is a long-winded way of saying, mm. do you try and stick with that A team and, you know, as much as you possibly can and let the other players play in the Europa?
2: Yeah, I remember <laughs> in the FA, when we went out in the FA Cup, it was, we played half a team, didn't we? Yeah. We sort of played five or six first-team players. Well, personally, I would much prefer he played a B team and uh, and saved, saved the players for for Fulham away. That's my view, but um, I doubt he's going to do that, um, but I really hope he does because as uh, Josh said, this is what what a position we're in. I mean, 12 games, top of the league. Will that happen again? Hope so, but, you know, we, there's so many big teams around us that can keep strengthening in the summer. We're there, so, and um, that's much, much more, much, much bigger thing for Arsenal Football Club than winning the Europa League.
3: Yeah, I, th- so, I think yeah, Arteta, so, so, well, Arteta will believe that even a, you know, a a mix, let's say, is good enough to get through uh, against Lisbon, and he'd be right. And you could also argue what kind of damage does it do to the team if they bow out of, of Europe. And there's people with points to prove, right? I mean, let, let's not undermine. We've got a Polish international who hasn't had a minute yet, you know, who, who wants to come and prove a point. Holding has barely had ga- game time. If anyone's got a point to prove at the moment, it's Kieran Tierney, who you know feels the most unlucky person at the club for not getting you know an opportunity because of Zinchenko being you know ahead of him. Smith Rowe, you know, needs to fight his way into you know contention for for minutes. Nelson couldn't have do, do done any more. Suddenly, you think, well, actually, there's a framework of a side there that you. But not unhappy to see, get minutes and get play and that, you know, should be good enough to, to get through these, uh, these two games. So I, I would be surprised if we, if we exited at, at this stage, to be honest, from the situation that we're in. I think it'd be great to see that team as well, wouldn't it? Be, yeah. would enjoy it. You would yeah. enjoy that. See, Yeah, it because do. it's not players where it's like punishment to be playing. Right. Which I feel that points over the, you know, a couple of years of the sort of Europa League, it, it did feel a bit like nobody's sort of interested in it. And look, if we were third or fourth or fifth in the league at the moment, we would be so excited for this continuation of the, of the European run and so excited that we're second favourites for a European tournament. It's just a slightly different circumstance. I mean, maybe the double's on board. Maybe we shouldn't be steady. Uh, steady.
4: I and mean, we the, the other thing is Adam, we have got we've got this Thursday Sunday, we'll have this Thursday Sunday situation, quite a lot coming up. And I feel like you know, that is there's something different, isn't there, for me, about the Wednesday, Saturday, or Sunday. And the, the I don't know, it just feels like it gets really the stats of, of teams that you know always lose the next game or don't win the next game after that Thursday game. Um worries me. So I really strongly feel he's got to stick with the A-Team for the league games.
1: And I think the Fulham one is particularly difficult because it's an away game after an away game. But I I think what I sort of slightly struggle to balance is they've clearly become a team who, in-game will try and sort of get every, you know, marginal gain, like the old British-like thing team used to do to win. So I don't think you'd ever have seen an Arsene Wenger team taking long throws, for example. you even see Man City now. So clearly, in terms of individual games, they very much got this down to a T of, here's what we can do mathematically to be brilliant and give ourselves every chance of winning, in addition to being, you know, tactically great, blah, blah, blah. And yet, I think they sort of then don't balance that because Arteta has his sort of non-negotiables, so he's sort of like, you know, I'm this guy, I want to win everything in the same way that Pep was. And so he maybe doesn't rotate to the extent that we would expect him to. And he has played Saka and Martinelli and people like that um, much more than I would have expected him to earlier in the season in the Europa League. I agree with you that now, looking at the sporting tie, it's very tricky because we've got so many injuries up front that it's actually quite hard to see who you would rotate out if you wanted to play a full B team. But I think sort of by and large, on balance, maybe in the long run, it will be good for us that he's so competitive and wants to win everything. But yeah, I'm like yeah. that we're going to run out of steam in April or May.
3: Yeah, I mean, Man City are also going to have a hell of a situation with their fixtures if they get to the FA Cup semi-final and the Champions League semi-final. They are they are going to have midweek weekend for, I think, about six, seven weekends in a row. And there's a likely reality that City are going to have a game move to the midweek Ahead of the final game of the season, if they do make those semifinals of, of, of both competitions. So it it will be relentless and a big pressure on them. And hopefully a chance for Arsenal to, you know, extend the lead because of the sort of rearranged fixtures that, that Man City are going to have. Now you'd say they've got a much bigger, better equipped squad to, to handle it, but still like it's, you know, as much as we'll have to deal with some Thursdays, you know, that they are going to have a, you know, incredibly intense period. And uh, I, I think that hopefully also will end up working in Arsenal's favour.
4: We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we should take a break. Um, and after the break, we'll talk more. We to, we'll talk more about the, the game on Saturday and the all round brilliance of it and um, predictions coming up for the games ahead after this. And we're back from the break. Um, we should just acknowledge, which you haven't really done yet. I've realised as we've as we've gone on to talk about lots of other issues that um, I mean, Reece Nelson <laughs> came on in that game and was brilliant. Right from as soon as he came on, I was just a much more dynamic, let's say, I felt than um, than Vieira or whoever you know, and, uh, and, Chossard. and just Chossard. is that and him. Um, and he also, I, I, when I watched it back. Um, on I watched they had the whole game on Sky last night, that he tried a similar, very, very similar chance just a couple of minutes before that 97th minute chance, where he almost had a practice shot. And like I feel that's key in the fact that he then struck that winner with such like power and accuracy through about five different players, like, you know, seemed to be in the way and somehow found a
2: sort through it was incredible. Wasn't it, Nick? With with his wrong foot. With apparently. His wrong foot. Yeah. Yes. On half volley. Yeah. And he's, a Hayland, and he's the Highland.
4: And he's the Highland boy, of
2: course. It was, it, I mean, it was. It could not it be more fantastic. Magical, could it? What a goal! What a moment! I and mean, it was crazy. Was it? I think I was on the floor. literally. I was with all my mates around me. Literally pushed me on the floor. So I, I didn't see all of it, but I got up and just saw the all the staff coming on and all the all the subs coming. On. What a, what a goal! I've watched it like, hundreds of times. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic moment. What a goal. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah, he... He, he, he was good. He played really, really well before. You're right. Yeah, he was causing them all sorts of yeah. Love to see him, love to see him play on uh on Thursday.
3: Yeah. He he surely will play on Thursday. I agree with you, Nick. And I think that's uh, uh as I said before, someone you're excited to go and see to, to get an opportunity. And he was so effective even without his you know goal. Let's not forget he, he got the assist for. Ben White it's yep. an incredible situation his total minutes this season is 85 minutes um and he's he's scored 3 and got two assists it's absolute madness of a, a contribution um and it's really been across two games i think he got a minute at wolves in the in the last game ahead of the world cup but now especially with these injuries with you know Inketia um with Trossard if, if both of them are out there's you know, I'm not, not saying he'll definitely start, but he's he's made a hell of a, uh, a bid to get a start potentially away at, at Fulham. Obviously, we'll see how Thursday night goes. So, yeah, I mean, it, you, you feel pleased for him because, you know, one of these players that, if you're being harsh, you would, you know, there might be some Arsenal fans who sort of slightly wondered uh, if he was still sort of at the club. Um, you know, this this season when, when when we came back, he obviously has had periods uh, away from Arsenal. He was on loan at Feyenoord last year. Um, you know, even the, uh, you know, the 2020-21 season when he was at Arsenal, I think it's just seeing here nine appearances in total, only only two of them in the Premier League. So, you know, it seems an unlikely sort of resurrection of a, Potential Arsenal career, but if ever there could be a moment that makes you think it's doable, it 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 was. Well, what is potentially the greatest Emirates moment ever that we saw on Saturday, Boyd? Yeah.
4: Not, yeah, I mean, Adam, yeah, he I hasn't even been.
3: Sorry, yeah, I mean, he hasn't, no, he hasn't been on
4: the bench, has he, for a while, Adam? Like, you know, it's kind of extraordinary
1: that he's just arrived. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I mean, I, I said this before about um, saying it was a big game for Vieira. People maybe will say that, you know, Reese Nelson's found his death with them playing really well at home to possibly the two worst teams in the Premier League. But there's nothing wrong with being a flat-track bully. Those are people over the years who struggled to be a flat-track bully. And people who can make telling contributions, like that's massive. But I think you've heard me come on here before and compare us to the Liverpool sides, which which won the league. And they had players who were really not that all that who you know did absolutely crucial things even in the Champions League people like Divo Origi, who you know, average players but mm. a lot of this is about these absolutely incredible moments which don't quite make sense which you can't really explain but absolutely crucial to to, to winning a league title and yeah it was I mean all Nick said it was absolutely incredible. Um, he actually, as you said, Reese was uh, actually played really, really, really well when he came on in a way which I didn't quite expect him to do. And I think that is, as you said, Boyd, to go back to your question, what's kind of surprising about it is he's been not really been in at all since the Forest game. He's not, you know, off the back yeah. of them, played those. I know he did in the Europa and in the League Cup, but um, but he's not played those. You know, he's come back in again straight away made an impact, played really well. Um, all credit to him.
3: Yeah, I I guess, look, he's unfortunate, isn't he? You know, that he's had, you know, injury situations. I think the most recent of which was was a a thigh uh, problem. Um, You know, he just hasn't seemed to be able to get any momentum. But you wonder now, especially with, you know, two Europa League games in the space of, um, you know, a week and surely some contribution against Fulham, there's actually, you know, a potential to play sort of four, you know, make four games in a row, some kind of contribution and and get that momentum and hopefully keep fitness. And it's a worry, isn't it? When you've had a player who's young, who's had so many injuries. And we're seeing that, I think with, with Smith Rowe, it's going to take time for him to get back into a situation where you, you look back and we'll remember moments like the North London derby where Smith Rowe was sensational in in the home game. And, you know, you're looking at these like, hail enders in Rowe and, and Saka and and Nelson and you just you just want them to do so well so um you know looking at it now you'd say you know Nelson is one of those players you'd expect to at least be coming off the bench if uh if not starting but just talking about Vieira there boy you you, you didn't seem happy next to me about Vieira <laughs> on Saturday
4: no, I wasn't. I just feel, I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just, I think we've created, uh, uh, he's created a team, Arteta's created a team that, as I said, is so hard, brilliant and skillful and hardworking and manages to dominate games. And I feel like the, and I'm not, I, I, I'm sure he'll come good in the end. You know, I'm sure he's very skillful. He has some really skillful moments. Adam may maybe less sure that it's going to come good yet, but but I just felt like there was a, a very noticeable drop off, um, and that he didn't. He he, led the, he doesn't control, uh, he doesn't seem in control in that position in midfield as much as, you know, the people he's replaced, the the, the the players he's replaced. Jorginho slotted in perfectly for me, you know, when he played. And I was surprised he didn't play Jorginho yest- yesterday. Whereas I think I, I'd rather see Jorginho now. And I, you know, I had, you know, you have a question mark over that buy but it, it, it seems to have been a brilliant purchase now um so
3: yeah I have my doubts but you had your doubts as well Josh to be fair I think it wasn't just me <laughs> no I mean Vieira is is the one who mm. it's very hard to find things to be negative about this season or, or disappointments okay. and I think he's possibly the only one you know if you if you look back at sort of the summer signings who who sort of not really had too many moments you've been where you're like you know everyone will remember the exceptional strike he scored at Brentford but then hasn't quite given too many other moments but it's still a first season in you know our league and you know it's far too early to write him off yeah he's 22 isn't he Nick Nick yeah go on
2: yeah I, 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 yeah, I, I went to that Brentford game away game and I thought he was really good that day not I mean the goal was brilliant but I thought he played really really well and again, to be fair, you know, he hasn't had very many minutes. And you've got to and Jorginho, again, to be fair, he's been playing for, you know, the Premier League at a very high level for a long, yeah. long time, playing for Italy at a very high level for a long, long time. So I think it's easier for him to just slip in. But yeah, he's young. I think he's got a lot of talent and I'm very confident about him. I think he's gonna come good, but you know, obviously he's not gonna be first pick. Our first team picks itself right now, doesn't it? Yeah. So we know we know who's gonna play if they're fit. And he's not going to be one of them. So he's got to come in and do a job. And yeah, he's not at the same level, but I really I really feel he's... I think he looked good yesterday. I liked him. I'm I'm surprised to hear you being so negative about him, Josh. I thought he played quite well.
3: I'm sorry to upset you. Um, Look, it was... uh, I'm not looking for things to be negative, but I... So oh, I, I didn't think he sort of had his, his best day, sort of yesterday. Um, I think we'd probably all hope for more. I think it is only that Brentford goal that that we've seen from him. He, he did get an assist, of course, in the uh, <laughs> the final goal against Aston Villa. But um, I even think Adam and I might have been able to slip in Martinelli with um, with half the pitch um, still to play. So look, I, 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 certainly we go. I would go. I think there's still a player there, another one who you expect probably to be given um, more minutes. Um, you know, across these, you know, Europa League games, home, home in a way. I, I'm not writing him off, but um, I don't know. Adam, if there was one play, the slight disappointment this season. Is it, is it him or is that unfair?
1: No, I, I I agree with that. And I am interested to see how he does next season because I think he does. And I know that this is going to be quite simple since food, but he basically needs some time in the gym. Like One of the things you notice about him is that he tries to do the soccer thing. Of backing into people and being yeah. able to hold up the ball, but Saka's got those upper body strength, so he can do that. Whereas Vieira just tries to do that and people take the ball off him, and it's yeah. quite frustrating to watch because you're a bit like, well, you must look at yourself in the mirror and see that you're not strong enough to do that. Um, but I sort of feel that with a summer of you know protein shakes and whatever else these people do, um, yeah. come back three months mm-hmm. later and um, creatine. And, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. You're right. No, I, I mean, mean it... there's a, there's a picture. So there's a picture of um, Vieira and Martinelli in the in the just changing him after the game and he looks like he's the slightest figure it is incredible i just think yeah i mean it does make a difference that 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 strength doesn't it josh
3: it does i'm just looking here how many minutes he has been given on the back of the uh the comment there from nick and he certainly has a point you know everton you know came on when we we're 1-0 down for the final 30 minutes he's got nine minutes against Brentford, seven minutes against city 11 minutes at villa um didn't feature against Leicester, 18 minutes in the home win against Everton. So, you know, the, the, yesterday was the first, you know, big opportunity he's been given this side of uh, of the World Cup, where he obviously played the majority of the game. Xhaka coming on with with seven or eight minutes left. Um, not sure he totally took the opportunity, but Nick, Nick makes a point yeah, he hasn't been given too many.
2: I mean, both goals, I think, it. you know, you'd have to say, I mean, Gabriel's been brilliant, but, you know, both goals were down to him, I'd say, sadly, but... That happens again small moments by the way what about when Martinelli was through completely through yesterday and I yeah. thought that was the moment that was like the you know like that sort of Vardy moment when Leicester just somehow won every game and yeah, it was like he was going to smash it into the bottom corner but he smashed it over the bar I thought that was the moment we were going to win it yesterday I didn't think after that that we that was it but there you go do you remember that
4: oh yeah fantastic. yeah yeah that was a fantastic run yeah and it, yeah and it it was, yeah. And there was another Saka. I mean, yeah, a couple of players had very had brilliant chances there. Saka had a brilliant chance at one point um, that he blasted over, I think. Yes. Um, there was the one that hit the post where there was like a golf yeah. scramble. So the, he, he armed it onto the post there.
2: Yeah. The, um, yeah. The Bournemouth player should have been, that's yeah. another penalty we should
4: have Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was cool. extraordinary, wasn't it? The number of handball penalty claims, Adam, was like unbelievable. I didn't really, I didn't quite, re- I mean, it felt like a lot actually there because there were loads of like VAR. With referrals that we had kind of sat through and I kept saying to Josh and I think that it feels like now with VAR that they won't change their mind at all be- and it, because on particularly on things where the, the referee hasn't given it if the referee gives a penalty then they analyze it and they knock they'll knock it off if it isn't a penalty he's but they seem really reluctant to do it the other way around to the point where there was like two I would say that out of the, about the five or six VAR penalty games you had that did seem pretty strong
1: Yes, yeah, so I've not actually seen them again, but I think it's very clear since the World Cup that they've given just across the Premier League a lot, fewer Premier, uh, a lot fewer penalties for handball, which I think on balance I'm like relatively happy about because I thought they were giving too many and there were too many penalties being given in general, but it's very hard to sort of take a view on what's the right thing to do in the middle of the season and can you change the rules like that and all of that sort of thing. I think on on balance, I'm still sort of convinced it's probably the right thing to be doing. But it's just quite frustrating because I think it's quite obvious they're not going to give these penalties. And I'm not just saying that with hindsight, like, I thought that before the game that they'd stop giving these penalties but you really do break up the play you stop really being able to put people under pressure in the same way because you have so many stoppages and I know that people will say oh we keep on scoring these goals late in huge amounts of added time so maybe it doesn't make a difference but you still feel that it's kind of hard to hem people in and make them really you know feel feel the pressure in a way which um which would be ideal so um I've not seen them again so I can't really say if anything. Yeah. were penalties yeah. but the ones which were down my end in the second half none of them looked that bad on
2: first viewing, I wasn't, you know, holding. Sure, yeah, yeah. So when... I'm gonna, so, so I'm gonna just Go on, dis- disagree with that because I couldn't really see it during the game, and they don't show you back in the stadium, do they? But now I've seen them, they all look like penalties to me. I mean, literally, the one that was like was a save. One of them was a yeah, save. that the one, one.
4: Yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, that was... the other one,
2: and the one that went onto the the post. That he literally used his arm to change the. Ball hit the post. How's that? How can that not be a penalty? How can that not be a handball? If that's not a handball, well then there's no handball.
4: Yeah, yeah, I thought the one, where the, the palm one was that. That was the one for me that was that was yeah. fairly extraordinary. But again, I just feel, yeah, they're not going to. They go for the clear and obvious error thing, don't they? In this kind of thing, the only thing that they overturn is is a is a, is a um an offside because that's obviously is in quotes factual. But because there's still that subjective question over handballs, most handballs. Yeah, it's, it, it is unbelievable. But in the end, of course, it didn't matter. Did it, do we think, just to reflect on the whole experience again, would you know, would you have preferred to win that game? I think we referred to this right at the beginning. Like five 0 like City beat Bournemouth five 0 didn't they last week? Was it four or five 0 I think. And obviously, it's helped their goal difference. They've still got quite a better goal difference than us. But I, I do think winning that game in that style, in that manner. And I, I know it's not sustainable. Maybe it's not, maybe it is sustainable that we score last-minute goals and we come back from one or two nil down too often. But I just thought the manner of it, and the, the, it was definitely the most incredible cele- crowd celebration, wasn't it, in the history of the Emirates? That's for sure. And there may be other moments, the ones that Josh referred to at the beginning, that rival it in terms of just power and impact. But just I felt like the wave of joy among us supporters and of the, the coaches, of the players, that it was definitely the most joyful moment of all, having come from 2-0 down. And I feel like that makes it really like irreplaceable as an experience to drive the team on. Do you feel that way, Adam, that, you know, it may be that significant. I think, just, you know, you'd expect, I think we all predicted, you know, 3-4-0 against Bournemouth, but actually that version of events could be more of use to us psychologically.
1: That's a very difficult question. I mean, I'm I'm slightly worried that, you know, they're they're using up so much emotion with kind of every game, or not every game, but so many of these games going down to the wire, everything being completely crazy. Like what you described with Odegaard just sort of throwing himself to the floor. Um, It's still what, early March. And can you really sustain that for the whole of the season? You've mocked me coming on this podcast before Boyd for my comments about Pep Guardiola being bald. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm not bored by the end of the season, I might need to be completely grey yeah. um, uh, with, with the stress of this stuff. So I think it could it could spur them on, but I kind of think similarly, like the Leicester game was quite good in the sense it was an extremely boring game. And I don't think it's one that you'd really want to watch back over and over again. And... I think we need a bit of both to sort of balance it out. These yeah. games are great and they're super exciting and they, you know, kind of keep everyone believing. But two or three, you know, if we had a couple of boring games before the international break, where we were oh yeah, you know, I think that would be quite good for us.
4: I agree. I don't know if you saw Josh on um, on the um, Sky coverage of the Man U game just now today, recording this on Sunday evening. Um, Gary Neville referred to the, the result as a freak, and he said it was a freak thing. The second half was a freak, and you know, and there was a big argument between Graham Sumner and him about. You know, Graham severing. You almost expect May United to let in huge number of goals every now and then. Did it? You know, you could see that. You could see Bournemouth scoring in the, after nine seconds as a freak occurrence. That actually, our team overcame. You know, with the sheer power and dominance that we impose on most teams when we play now.
3: Well, I mean, it's the second quickest goal ever in Premier League history. So, the 30-odd years, that tells you that we we saw something pretty unusual um, happen at the start of the game. And I think Zinchenko could have been, you know, more more switched on than he he possibly was. But as Nick alluded, there was a, you know, an extraordinary touch from Saliba that perfectly took it into Billings' path and he scored a goal. And, you know, that doesn't happened probably you know 98% of the time when that ball goes into the box in, in the way that it does um i there are there is cause for concern right because Arsenal didn't manage that game incredibly so in that first half i thought our response for 10 50 minutes was brilliant Only guy had a shot that neto got down to and saka possibly could have done it better on the initial replay but the fact that bournemouth were able to break um, and get a situation where you know, the save Ramsdale makes, it's not even, you know, I think is it Otara who who had the shot, but there were two of them who maybe arguably got in each other way. Two of those players were absolutely free and able to sort of goal. And, you know, this wasn't Arsenal chasing the game in the 90th minute and we're losing and the title's on the line. This was, you know, still in the first half, only one nil down to a team that you're superior against. So that, there is sort of legitimate cause for concern. So you can understand when I mentioned Chris's poll, At the start of this, I think it was about 25% arguing that that made them more fearful of us winning a Premier League title. So you, you can understand it, but I'm on the side of it spurs us on in the way that the sort of limbs, as you would say, that we saw at Villa Park and the limbs we saw around the Emirates Stadium and the unity of the squad. And Nick mentioned the unlikely invasion of the pitch and arteta having to suddenly be in charge of like young schoolboys on lost property duty was either yeah, the whole thing's just so extraordinary i think the pros out outweigh the cons but arteta even in his post match comments was you know aware enough to to realise there are, you know, lessons to learn, as football managers like to say. But he couldn't. I mean, I've never seen him smile like that. Have you? No. My no. God, he was like yeah. purring.
4: That was brilliant. I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted to mention that. I thought it was brilliant how he reflected, because you could managers go can go different ways, can't they? Like, you know, thinking back to like Wenger might be often be quite kind of like I don't know, professional and like yeah, we you know this happened, but you know be quite kind of matter of fact about it sometimes maybe George Graham. I think, you know, I think back to how he reacted to these things. It was definitely, he was thrilled and delighted and carried on being thrilled and delighted in his post-match interviews, which was brilliant to see. Cause he can be quite often kind of, you know, say the same thing, can't he kind of after, after most matches, but he absolutely bathed in the glory of that achievement, Nick. And I think interesting, isn't it? Because Arteta now we should, we should reflect on the fact that, I mean, this is just beyond our wildest dreams, isn't it? Those of us, yeah. let's, let's admit, Josh, never lets me forget that I was a Arteta doubter. You were more than Arteta doubter. I was, yeah. I can't, How do you reflect? I mean, this achievement is, I mean, I, I mentioned this last week, but Robbie Savage on 606 referred to 10 Hag. to be fair, before today's disaster. But last week, as the best manager in the world right now, well, I mean, what does that make Arteta?
2: Exactly. Well, I, I did not see this coming, obviously, and I thought well, it was a terrible appointment to bring someone to be the manager of Arsenal. football club has never been a manager before, but I don't think anyone could see this coming. Nobody, even even the most optimistic Arsenal fans before the season. We would have all taken top four, we were all of us, but we're, we're top, we're five points clear, 12 games to go. I'm I'm shocked. But I'm what I'm so amazed about is the is the, the the you know the passion that the fans have got the the players and the players that are coming in. That's why I think it's important that the players coming in and the way that we won it. I think will give them so much belief. I didn't like the word Spurs them on Josh, by the way. We uh, don't like to use that word, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I love that, and you know, without wanting to sound like an old. Fart as I sometimes will be, um, remembering when we we went to White Hart Lane and uh, we were one 0 down, two one up. and We went on to win the cup. Um, don't know if you remember that League Cup many many oh, yeah. many years yeah, ago, yeah, and that, that, yeah. that 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 sort of kicked off that George Graham era that mm. that that victory coming from behind. So I, I think that's going to give them so much belief and uh, big game against Fulham because they're playing Huge. really really well. Huge, yeah. and uh, you know I think we can go into that game feeling you know, confident we're going to have a go at them. If we just carry on doing what we're doing, Mm. we're not going to win them all. There's always, you know, we're going to, you're going to, we're going to let goals in. It's normal. City let goals in. Every, every team lets goals in. Mm. But if we keep playing like that, percentages are that we're going to get more chances. And, uh, and that's what's going to happen. You, You know, you're going to get, you're going to win in the last minute if you keep going and keep going. Talking so, of which
4: yeah. Uh, yeah actually our goals conceded is the same number as Man City I have to point out so you know we're not doing we're not doing that badly Adam I mean, Arteta's proven to be quite a step up at Huznly from uh, Unai Emery your favourite he
1: has and I I think it's weird because even 15 months ago probably when we lost to to, to Everton and away at Old Trafford I think there were the same question marks before we been to Bamiyang, there were still sort of questions about where we're going in the right direction but I think. The one thing you can always say is that the players stuck with him. And I think now that, that you know, it's clearly going particularly well. Um, but he, I think it's the sort of, as you said, the camaraderie and the way that all the players are with it all the time now, every single one of them so fired up. They're completely involved in this title race, absolutely desperate to win it. I think all the stuff which we've spoken about, about how this really could be our chance, this is why you might want to rotate for sporting this, but more than normally. I think the players also kind of get that. And, mm. um, um, you sort of remind us a bit, looking at that season where they won the league, the amount that they were desperate to block every ball in a way which, obviously people are professionals, but sometimes they might not be otherwise if you're a team who are competing for 14th or 16th or whatever. And I think that is testament to the culture which Arteta is instilled, in that And that's sort of why I can see a world in which he does want to pick a strong team on Thursday night because he has this thing of, you try and win everything, you go for every ball, you put yourself on the line all the time, 100%.
4: Which is definitely a bald Pep thing to do as well, isn't it? Because Pep plays really strong teams in all these cup games. Like in the League Cup, he's playing you know, all kind of most of his best players, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, Josh Arteta, best manager in the world right now?
3: Um, wow. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a statement, and it does feel an extraordinary thing to be saying about a manager as Nick Said in his first full-time, you know, managerial job, and this isn't Leicester. You know, we're, we're not Leicester who've fought off relegation, but we are a team that was something like fifty to one to 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 win the league. This will be the second biggest shock in in Premier League history um, if if we do it. And you feel like he has got this team playing to its absolute maximum, right? The 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 sort of strength. Um, an improvement we've seen in, in so many individuals, um, you know, has to give them credit. I, I can't remember who I saw on on Twitter the other day, but they were um, sort of pointing out about how many of those sort of terrible sort of defeats we had during COVID when there were no fans in the stadium, sort of been wiped from our memories, right? Mm-hmm. Like, was it was what was the one where Bamiyang was it Bamyang scored the own goal? Was that Villa? Possibly. we, we am yeah. looking for Adam to help me here. Uh, we lost one nil in a sort of defeat. That's sort all of just wiped from my memory. Uh, and I think that was what the point of the tweet was—that it sort of felt like watching those for the first time. We, we, we've sort of forgotten how crap we were for such large chunks of, of you know, part, parts of his reign. And it, you know, we, we all remember sort of a, a, the home game against Chelsea in the December where we, where we finally did get a win, and it felt like you know. He was under such such pressure at, at points. So to turn it around in the way that he has, yeah, I mean it's uh it's remarkable. And we've we've just got to enjoy it because going to watch Arsenal when you're in a title race is a different experience to going to watch them when you're battling to get into the top four. It it, it just yeah. feels different, and the oh, whole yeah. stadium, of course, feels different. And I can only imagine what what it is going to be for those final couple of home games this season. If, we're, if we are still in this position that we're in now, or or, or near enough, it's uh it's just it's just incredible. Yeah. But boy, we should look at Thursday. You yeah. I, you were thinking about your trip to Lisbon for all of about ten seconds and decided not to go. <laughs> I've got, it's not that
4: josh i'm a busy man i've got a thing i'm hosting um yeah so i couldn't make it you're not going either though to be fair
3: no i i i, I probably thought about it for about 11 seconds and then decided i was not gonna uh, make the trip but i'm hoping that there will if there are sort of uh, quarterfinals and possibly mm-hmm. semifinals and i'm sure adam has already booked a hotel room in budapest for the final knowing his level of organization have you adam
1: my friends booked her hotel for me, so that's yeah, enough.
3: Right there, you go. That's a, that's you, kind of. Are optimism. you going to? Are you going to Lisbon, Adam?
1: I'm not going. I'd actually already booked to go on holiday there during the international break, and I couldn't quite face spending the money to go there twice in ten days. Oh
4: my god, that's annoying. Oh wow, that's,
3: that's so you're already going, fucking out. <laughs> so I've just been jotting down uh, my team here. I've been. Yeah, jotting, I, I think it's Turner, Tomiyasu Kiwi, or Holding, Tierney, Vieira, Jorginho, I think Jacker plays as we mentioned yeah. Nelson Smith row. And I think Martinelli probably has to, has to play. And that is a team you think is, is, is you, you you're back to go and get a positive result in this game. So I, I I'm going that. for a, a two, one win Boyd away in Lisbon. Yeah. I like that
2: team. I, I, that so. team but yeah. I, I don't think that's what will happen. I think he's going to play probably half and half, which is what he did in the FA Cup. And by the way, no, I'm not going, but I did think about it. It's a lovely city, Lisbon as well, by the yeah, way. I really yeah. wanted to go to that. Yeah, I really want to go to that stadium as well. But um, what do
4: you think the yeah. score's gonna be, Nick?
2: I'm gonna go depends who plays, obviously, but mm. I'm gonna go one all.
1: Okay. And Adam?
4: I'm gonna say one nil Arsenal. I was gonna say one nil to Arsenal. I'm gonna say I'll say two one to Arsenal. And then the really the huge Fulham Game, yes, Josh. Well, his friends reunited
3: at Fulham, isn't it? Yes. we've got Bert Leno, Cedric, yeah. and Willian.
4: Yeah, Willian, who's who he, the B3. give him credit. Willian, I have to say, he is my uh, Unai Emery. Like I know, the, Adam, Adam, you know, has, has been brilliantly um, vocal in his opposition to Unai Emery for. for you know, ever since he joined the club, pretty much. William uh, is my, you know, I, I he was so awful. I thought he was like a negative, he was like a negative energy within the team who would who kind of drained us of all like excitement and skill and was like, a, a, he was awful, but he's doing really well for
3: them. You know, he's playing really well. I watched him a couple of times. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, um, Big fans of him. He's, yeah. uh, he's played in the majority of, of the games. Um, Scored three and, and you, yeah, you might feel that he possibly has a, a, a point to prove right after sort of disappearing back to yeah. Brazil with a, you know, possibly tail between his legs after it just, it just did not work out at Arsenal, um you know, at, at all. And yet, yeah. Mm. Maybe you can only like, play a likely, well. A uh,
4: resurrection. Maybe you could only play well in like the posh enclaves of London, you know, Chelsea and Fulham, mm. that kind of uh, area. We're too, I think we're probably too working class, I feel like, in North London for him. Adam, what's your prediction for the Fulham game?
1: I think Fulham have been running a little bit hot. I think we'll win 1 0 again.
4: Okay. You're already going for these like, yeah, calm 1 calm 0 victories.
2: Nick? So I'm going. Looking okay. forward to it. Love that ground. Love going there. 1-0 yeah. um, down, 2-1 up. Oh, we're another 1-0 yeah. down. God, okay. Yeah, 1-0 down, 2-1 up. Blood we're pressure, going to take that. we
3: going to score the win in the last five minutes.
4: Oh, God, cool. okay. Josh?
3: I think we might draw. Um, I think 1-0. Mm. I don't think it's the worst, um, the worst result in the world if, if we do. Sure. And I, you know, of course, hope we don't, but yeah, Adam alluded Fulham a proper outfit this year have been in, you know, uh, decent forms and and sort of have have tightened up of late in a way that, you know, they did have a a couple of sort of, I remember Newcastle going there and winning sort of 4-1 earlier in in the season. I I don't know. I I just think, as Nick said, there are bumps in the road and I, I don't think this is a, um, a foregone conclusion but you're going to predict a win boy i can feel
4: i was going to pick the draw as well actually i think yeah i think i might go to all um and uh, mad city are playing crystal palace away which is interesting you feel like i mean i know palace aren't doing great but
2: i feel like they're not they're not they're not no they're really not they're
3: really off relegations (laughs) yeah okay okay yeah but
2: when when are they playing them because it's an interesting time isn't it
4: Five thirty okay. Saturday. So yeah, Manchester you always play before us at the moment. So they play, we play before us the Saturday morning, and then we played, and then they play Saturday morning, we Saturday evening rather, and we
2: play S- Sunday. S- not a nice place to go to that that, that time. No, five thirty at Selhurst. Yeah.
4: Vieira, Paddy Vieira will be, you know, trying to do us a favour. Obviously, etc. etc. You never know. I'm clinging to. I think they will be. I think that might be a draw as well. That's what I'm going to say. So it won't be a disastrous weekend because we'll, I think we both might draw. That's my extra wow. prediction. Wow. I throw in.
1: I, I think the bookies would rate Palace and for them quite similarly. Yeah, just the for them as results of. Been a lot better at that. So that's what I actually
2: meant by them running hot, that they've had quite a few results which yeah. you wouldn't have expected looking at the stats and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I read, yeah. I read that Polino, I think, is out for the game, isn't he? Because oh, of the right. card. Yeah. And I think, I think he's one of, their, one of their best players, if not yeah. the best player.
4: Yeah. I mean, they're currently seventh in the league. That is pretty fucking incredible, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah. We'll see. Um, all, all that remains for me to say is thank you so much to Nick True. To Adam Bernstein, to Josh Landy, and to you all for listening. And um, I think we're all kind of exhausted after the extraordinary events of versus Bournemouth. And how must the players feel? Yeah, that was a good point that Adam made. Actually, the players should probably be knackered trying to come out for that. But we'll find out what happens uh, in the next two games. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.
0: Dot .uk Sports Social Podcast Network plus.